If you need a laugh, here on your behalf It's bad mates, are we fighting crime? Or just wasting time? It's bad mates, lunch, boom, crash, kapow Stream a download, holy cow You can stop listening now to bad mates Because we're bad mates Hello and welcome to Batmates, the best podcast about a rat with wings. My name is Becca, and good things come in threes. My name is Josh, and I am just now realizing that we probably should have had a guest on this episode. That's okay. I think the two of us can be terrible enough for three people. (laughs) We'll be the terrible two. Okay, so what are we doing today? What are we covering? Because last time we covered, like, movies and a bunch of stuff that wasn't comics. Mm -hmm. Uh, So today we are going to do a comic review of um, Detectives Comics 253 about the terrible trio. Um, And also we've got a little bit of news, uh, but I think you wanted to do some comic recommendations, yes? Yes, I do. Do you want me to do that before news? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, sure. So I have a few comic recommendations. Uh, I read The Flash Annual just because I saw it in the store. Uh, I thought it looked interesting. It's okay. Uh, It's not worth the $6, but it's like a cute love story. The only person I will recommend it to is Rebecca, who is in my house, and we already own a copy of it. Or maybe someone who owns like uh, DC's whatever their subscription service is now, because I think they've changed it like two or three times. Uh, If you get like free modern comics, then go ahead and and, uh, read it. I literally for a second had no idea who you were referring to. I was like, who's Rebecca? (laughs) Uh, My wife, my beautiful wife. All right. This is my beautiful wife. This is my beautiful podcast. I'll I'll let her know. Uh, let's see. Flashpoint Beyond. This has been going on for a while. We're six issues in. Or, sorry, we're five issues in of a six-issue series. I've been enjoying it so far. We There's only one issue to go, um, and I'm really interested to see how they're going to tie it together. This is the one that, like, revitalizes the Flashpoint universe Batman. Uh, so it's, like, Thomas Wayne. They have some new developments that happen. Uh, Harvey Dent dies. Gilda becomes Two-Face. Uh, Batman takes in their kid. And he's, like, kind of implied to be Robin, but not. I don't think he's actually become Robin yet. They also, in the latest issue, in issue five, called, uh, they, they said Joker's full name, at mm. least in, like, Flashpoint universe. Mm-hmm. And his full name is Jack Oswald White, which is both a reference to Jack Napier from the Batman 89 movie and Joker's frequent alias in business. Uh, well, he'll use, like, Mr. White to refer to himself. Hmm. Sometimes he uses Joker. Like, he has, like, a bunch of different aliases, but Mr. White is one of them. Hmm. So both those names... I couldn't figure out what Oswald was a reference to. Cobblepot? Well, Oswald Cobblepot is in the comic. Mm-hmm. He's actually, like... Uh, he takes the role of Alfred, basically. Because hmm. he he's the... He's basically the guy who runs uh, Wayne's Thomas Wayne's casino for him, and he also like is at his house and helps him raise the the Dent kid. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not sure where the Oswald comes from. Uh, what else do we got? Recently, DC came out with their like back to school special, and it was called Saved by the Bell Rev, um, as a reference to Suicide Squad. 
there's really only like one good story in the whole thing and it's the green arrow story if anybody's interested in in doing it but the comic is not worth the ten dollars to pick it up Mm. there's like kind of like a sappy cutesy love story between barb and dick but it's like not treading any new ground really it's it's very paint by numbers for a lot of it uh world's finest i'm on the fence about it so this is the new batman superman team up book And the story isn't anything groundbreaking, but the situations that they put them in are neat and verging on, like, very Silver Agey. There's an issue where Batman and Superman, like, join together into, not composite Superman, but something very close to composite Superman. Okay. Um, and the art in it is really good. I'm really enjoying the the art in the in the world's finest. He shouldn't be called composite Superman. That doesn't have any bat in there. He should be called... Super bat. <laughs> right? Maybe. DC, hire me. I have the ideas. And then the last one that I wanted to talk about was Batman 89, which I thought was great. I know we've talked about it on the podcast before that it was like coming out. And I might have even said that I was going to wait for the collected edition to come out. And I'm really glad that I did because the collected edition is really cool. Um, it has... Uh, like all of the art from all of the covers, obviously it has the, the artwork that's like the models that they used for the characters. So it was really interesting. They sort of blended the Batman, the animated series with the Batman 89, like the Tim Burton film styles. So even when Bruce Wayne and like Jim Gordon are in the comic, they're sort of a mix between the Tim Burton and the animated series versions of themselves. Mm. Um, This obviously is the one where I'm blanking on his name. The guy who played Harvey Dent in the original 89 movie. Lando Calrissian. Yeah. Lando Calrissian. Mm -hmm. Uh, He gets, he gets to be uh, two face. He, so this is his like origin story is two face. And the interesting thing is they take, um, it's Tim Drake, but it's not like Tim Drake from the comics. It's like a, 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 a black kid who works at a, a garage that like Two-Face slash Harvey Dent visits and is like in the neighborhood where he like grew up in. Mm-hmm. And so he is sort of like this force against the police who he sees as corrupt and he doesn't think that like... Batman or the police are doing enough in Burnside, which is like his portion of the city. So the, by, by the time that Batman like picks him up as someone to work with him, he's already turned to vigilantism to, mm. you know, make things right. Cool. Um, Two things. What's that? Billy D. Williams. Yes. Billy D. Williams is the name of the guy who played Harvey Dent. Yes. And uh, so that was the character that Marlon Wayans would have played had that Batman and Robin movie Come the Robin, yeah, 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 um, yeah. It's and it, it the also the special edition has underneath of the cover uh, like a VHS print on the just the hardback portion, so it looks like a VHS of another movie, and it really honestly feels like a third movie in the like Tim Burton universe. It's written by the same screenwriter who did. Batman and Batman Returns. 
So it's just a continuation of like whatever his vision was. And there's portions where like I'm reading it and I look at it and I'm like, okay, I can see like where this would have been in the movie. And there's also a couple of portions of it where I'm like, this would have been cut for time or like executives might've like changed this up a little bit. But overall it, it's, it's almost like reading through a novelization of the, or, or you know, a, a graphic novel of, of whatever a third movie would have been. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, really neat, definitely worth it. I recommend picking that one up, especially if you're a fan of the 89 movie. Okay. Those are all of your comic recommendations? Those are my all my comic recommendations. All right. Now we can great. move into news. Great. I'm going to request the next time we cut that down to a, a short, uh, a tight four minutes. We've been gone for so long. I haven't talked about comics. since. We are a comic book show, <laughs> and I get to talk about comic books. Well, no, we're not a comic book podcast. We're a Batman podcast, specifically. Okay. 90% of this stuff had Batman things in it. All right, sure. Um, all right, cool. So um, I am going to start with some news. Uh, wait, hold on. What? I'm getting I'm getting something. Oh, we have some breaking news. Uh, recording this at uh, 10 p.m. on the night of September... What is today? 12th. September 12th. Michael Keaton has won an Emmy. Ooh. For that Dope Sick movie where he played a big pharma doctor. So... Good job, Michael Keaton. Good job. We we love you, and I wish I got to see you more as Batman, but unfortunately, WB canceled the Batgirl movie. That's true. So. And did I I have in my news section that uh, Batgirl got funeral screenings? I don't know if you heard about that. <gasps> Why didn't I get to go? The, the directors and like the crew got invited by WB to watch like whatever they had. D- cut together by that point that's even worse (laughs) i hate that so there was talk about people bootlegging it although and then the other thing i don't know if we covered last time we talked about the batgirl movie getting canceled is that the directors tried to save it and when Mm -hmm. they went on like their hard drives all of the files had been deleted yep by wb so awful yep all right, so here's some, you know, not depressing news. Actually, well, I'll start with one that is kind of depressing because we're, we're sort of in that vibe right now. Okay. Um, so Batman Caped Crusader was an animated show that was going to partner, I want to say, Paul uh, Bruce Tim and Matt Reeves, yes, who made the was, Batman. Yep. Um, and that show is no longer going forward on HBO Max. However, it's not dead. The creators are still looking to shop it around to yeah. another network. It's like continuing production, but it's not like confirmed for HBO Max. Yeah, I'm pretty sure HBO Max has said they're not They're not going to carry it, it. Yeah. yeah. So... We'll see. Um, maybe, uh, I don't know, where would be a good place for that? I don't know, maybe the Learning Channel be good TLC. for that? TLC? Apple TV Plus? Apple TV Plus, yeah, maybe, maybe. if they need something. We'll see. Uh, maybe Netflix. I mean, it's big enough that Netflix could carry it. Or yeah. Hulu. Isn't Hulu's the one that has the Animaniacs reboot? That's so, true. They do you have know, some WB stuff. They already have some WB stuff on there. Yeah, right. Not really news, but um, Josh wanted me to mention that we watched the Bat Wheels trailer and <laughs> the theme song slaps. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good theme song. Yeah, for that toddler show that I will definitely at least watch the first episode. I'm pretty of. sure we're gonna watch it. Ethan Hawke is like the main is the Batmobile. I don't. Who do I know? Where do I know Ethan Hawke from? You know, I'm terrible with celebrities. Um, he's in a lot of movies. Okay, he's Maya Hawke's dad. 
I no, I don't know who that is either. She's uh, the girl from Stranger Things with the blonde hair. The girl from oh oh yeah. The like main girl from Stranger Things. All right, this conversation's gone off the rails. Well, let's, let's start <laughs> this conversation over. Um, yeah, no, Ethan Hawke. Uh, he's an actor. He's been in a lot of. Oh, he was in uh, Moon Knight. He was the bad guy in Moon Knight. The bad guy. Oh yeah, I know who that is. Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the other thing we wanted to mention was a story that Josh came across this week that's like not really news, but I guess it surfaced somewhere. Um, it was a story about how Robin Williams was sort of in talks to play the Joker in Batman 89, except not really. Uh, do you want to tell the story? I don't have any of the quotes in front of me, but the basic gist of it was... It was. It showed up in like a biography about Robin Williams, and he was talking about the fact that he got an offer by the casting agents, who said that they wanted him to make a decision by like Monday, and then they called him. He called them up Sunday and said like I want to be in it, and they said, Oh well, um, Jack Nicholson has already made his decision and he's going to take it. And he said that he, what he believed happened was they went into talks with him because they really wanted Jack Nicholson, but Jack Nicholson was like waffling about the decision. And so they figured if they had like, if they could say to him, like we're in talks with another actor and we're giving him, we're going to offer him the part, then maybe it would cause Jack Nicholson to like take the part. Mm -hmm. And he did. He, he took the bait, I guess. <laughs> As someone with, like, anxiety who worries about, like, deadlines and, like, oh, no, like, if I don't get back to them on time, like, something bad will happen, this drives me insane. Oh, yeah. It also is just uh, another example of, like, the horrible tactics of Hollywood. I mean, it's certainly not the worst thing that we've heard about the horrible tactics of producers in recent years, but it just makes me so mad that, like, this stupid broken system where they're allowed to treat people like commodities and not like they're actual people. Yeah. I mean, it's the same, it's the same sort of idea that, like, used car dealerships and uh like real estate agents will use where they'll be like i don't know i got somebody else looking at it you got to jump at the offer now where they try and use like pressure tactics to get you to do something yeah i actually um it reminds me of uh there i watched a, a video about uh the movie nope um a couple days ago which you and i both saw but this isn't a nope podcast great movie though you should see it and uh i don't want to spoil too much for our listeners who maybe haven't heard it or haven't watched it i mean um but the analysis that i saw was that the evil that's in the movie nope is a metaphor for hollywood because it, <laughs> it's it sucks you in and it chews you up and it spits you out huh. yeah interesting mm -hmm. i've seen a lot of different theories on what it's supposed to mean I think he just wrote a cool thriller and a lot of people are reading into it because he has like a reputation for social commentary. I really honestly truly feel that Jordan Peele can't put something out that doesn't have social commentary. So I am uh, eager to believe that it's it's supposed to mean something. <laughs> there are a lot of cool references in it that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you blink and you miss it. But anyway, this yeah. isn't a note podcast. Okay, okay, okay. We'll, That's we'll our next about nope. podcast. Nope, mates. Oh, by the way, here's another piece of news that I didn't intend to put down here, but I am going to say it. This is a call out to Lush Cosmetics, who's my former employer, <laughs> who 
just released their Halloween stuff. And I know they're listening, obviously. In their Halloween collection, they released what's called a knot wrap. It's like this little piece of fabric that you can get your stuff wrapped in so you don't have to use a bag. They have a knot wrap called Batmates. And I'm so mad about it. <laughs> they owe me a million dollars. I I don't know if we actually like trademarked our. We podcast absolutely name. didn't, but this is bullshit, and I'm mad. <laughs> Are you gonna call up your uncle lawyer? I should, <laughs> and he'll tell me I didn't get it trademarked, so I'm shit out of luck. Yeah. You know what? I'm I'm gonna call up the highest person I know at Lush and complain. I, I'll call customer care. I'm mad. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the CEO because I know that you know who the CEO. I is. actually don't. They stepped down. Oh, that's right. I don't know who the current. CEO or or co-owners of Lush USA are at mm. all. Uh, but I am mad at them. Whoever they are, how dare you co-opt my podcast name? Okay. Are and, we done with that rant? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So Batman Day is our main story. Uh, Batman Day is coming September 17th. And there are a lots of a lot of announcements that have been made ahead of that uh, to get you prepared to celebrate. And one thing that that uh, was announced in you know honor of Batman Day, but is not actually coming out on Batman Day, is uh, Batman: The Audio Adventures season two coming this fall. Yeah. Yeah. Excited for that. Uh, I guess we didn't finish the first season. We talked about this last time because it was announced. Not Batman Unburied. Oh. Batman: The Audio Adventures. Oh, the Audio Adventures. Yeah. Oh my goodness, the one with the SNL cast. The one with the SNL cast. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, I'm so excited for a season two. It's gonna be great. I loved the first season. It was. I thought that it it really captured what Batman is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Even you know it was funny, but it was also like interesting and a little thrilling. Mm-hmm. And a Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, we love Jeffrey. I mean, Wright. it had a lot of stuff. It had Jeffrey Wright. It had uh oh, what's her name? Uh, who's the woman who played Robin? Somebody from SNL. Yeah, someone. Melissa Villanueva. Oh, That's okay. who it was. It was Melissa Villanueva. And uh, who, who else did it have? It had a, whole, it had it a had, stacked cast. Yeah, it had um, Seth Meyers. Yeah. Played Jack, whatever his name is. <laughs> Jack, Jack, Jack Ryder. Ryder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Horatio Sands, maybe, was in it? I don't remember. A lot of really, look it up. Yeah, a stacked cast. I'm not going to do all the work for you, listener. You look it up. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's really exciting. Uh, one thing that is happening on September 17th, which we will be partaking in, is that uh, Cinemark Movie Theaters will be hosting movie marathons. Uh, they are a series of three movies that will play. Um, Batman the Animated Series, Mask of the Phantasm, Batman 89, and Batman Returns. So check out and see if there's a Cinemark near you that is participating, because uh, it's a good way to spend a Saturday. I'm going to drink... I'm going to... I'm going to drink... Three giant things of iced tea and eat three buckets of popcorn. <laughs> it's going to happen. I'm looking forward to it. You will, your stomach will hate you by the end of the day. I don't care. I will be full of popcorn and my brain will be full of good movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have. Is there anything else on Batman Day? I There is. Because Batman Day is not a U.S. federal holiday. <laughs> it is an international. Biden, get on that. Yeah, Joe, I know you're listening. I need you to do that executive order. (laughs) Executive order. Today. Official. Actually, I don't. They move it. They move it around every year. It's like DC decides when Batman Day is going to be. Yeah, it's because it's on the Jewish calendar. (laughs) It's like like a lunar calendar. (laughs) It's like the Chinese New Year where it sort of like floats. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
pretty sure it's on the Hebrew calendar. Because Bob Kane was Jewish? I have no idea. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the creators of Superman. They were Jewish. <laughs> yes, they were Jewish. Anyway. Bob Kane <laughs> probably wasn't Jewish. I bet Bill Finger was though. Bill Finger, I think he was, yeah. Yes. He, he might have been. I know it. I know Sheldon Maldoff is and all of the other the, Yeah, the, the name. Every, away, everybody right? else was. <laughs> anyway, so um, actually, I'm pretty sure that Congress are the ones who can create federal holidays. I'm not 100% sure if that's a power the executive branch has, but I digress. My point is that Batman Day is not only an international holiday, it's an interstellar holiday as well. It's celebrated on every planet that has life on it, or at least it should be. <laughs> And a lot of countries are handing out exclusive merch and setting up meet and greets with Batman in stores. Um, French fans, in particular, can participate in a special TikTok challenge and share their love for the caped crusader by using the hashtag Batman. And artist uh, Max Saren, who draws the Harley Quinn animated series tie-in comics, uh, will be signing comics. You'll never guess where. Okay. It's at the FNAC Saint-Lazare in Paris. Okay. Which is a Best Buy-esque store that you and I visited when we went to Paris to true. buy you a Wi-Fi, a portable Wi-Fi thing yeah. and a, a SIM card for your phone. Yes, it is. I read that and I was so excited. Yeah, we, like, we were there. We were there we, for like four hours. <laughs> no, we weren't. It's very hard to do things in a country where you don't, don't speak, speak the language, the language very yeah. well. Yep, yep, yep. Especially things where you're looking for electronics that work together. Yeah. So that was hard. <laughs> so what? It, what is the? You can you can get your comic signed there. Yeah. Right? They had. I remember they had a floor that had like comics and stuff yeah. on. They have like a book. Basically, book. it's sort of a mix between a Barnes and Noble and a Best Buy. Yeah. Where they have electronics, but they also have like books and magazines and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, that's cool. We should get yeah. Fnac here. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I'm assuming they'll have Where can you meet Batman? You said you can meet Batman. Uh, like, participating stores in, like, various countries all over okay. the world. Okay, does he speak your language? Probably, you yeah. You go up to, to Batman in France and he goes, ha ha ha. He goes, bonjour, je m'appelle Batman. Je suis le nuit. <laughs> je, suis, je suis justice. <laughs> je suis juste. Um, yes. Vengeance. I don't know how to say vengeance. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, for news about how your country is celebrating Batman Day, you can visit the Batman Day hub at dc.com slash Batman Day. Nice. Cool. Uh, I have a couple of items of news, just two little things. There is going to be no DC fandom this year because of the return of in-person events, like all the Comic-Cons and stuff are back in full swing. So DC is just announcing their stuff there. Their, you know, movie trailers and new comic ideas and all that sort of stuff. That's all getting done at live events anymore. No more online events. DC fandom, not this year. Rest in peace, fandom. Hope yeah. you never come back. We barely knew ye. And uh, Gotham Knights got a new earlier release date. This is the Gotham Knights video game I'm talking about, not the Gotham Knights television show. I don't think we have a release date on that yet. Okay. Uh, it is October 21st, which is a whole... Four days earlier than I, we got announced before. I gotta move the day I requested off work. Damn it. <laughs> and that's that's the end of my little bits of news. All right, great. Okay, so let's move into the comic then. Jump right in. Our Silver Age comic, Detective Comics, number 253. The Fox, the Shark, and the Vulture. Went for a wordy title there. 
Cover date, March. Is that really what it's called? Yeah, oh, it wow. is. The title of the story is not The Terrible Trio. It's called The Shark, The Fox, and The Vulture. Or, the, sorry, The Fox, The Shark, and The Vulture. It's had a Mandela effect moment. Okay. <laughs> uh, cover date, March 1958. Writer, Dave Wood. Penciler, Sheldon Moldov. Inker, Charles Paris. And editor, Jack Schiff. The cover shows Batman and Robin with scuba gear looking into a submarine at the story's title characters, three men who are wearing animal masks. The scene once again raises the question of whether our good friend Sheldon Moldov has ever seen an animal of any kind, or if he has only had animals vaguely described to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, the vulture's beak, first of all, vulture's beak isn't yellow at the bottom, which means that he only has like half of a beak. Yeah. And the shark is purple and looks more like an alligator than he does a shark. Yeah. Um... Fox just looks confused. Yeah, the fox and... has, like, weird eyes. Yeah. He's not so off-model from a fox, but he still, like, kind of looks like a mix between a fox and a cat. Yeah. No, shark is definitely the most egregious. It looks it, nothing like a shark. It looks absolutely nothing like a shark. Even if they would have colored him blue, it probably would have done more to, like, convince you that he's supposed to be a shark. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to talk a little bit later about another iteration of the... Terrible, Terrible trio. trio, and the masks actually look worse <laughs> than they do in the comics. So this is actually an improvement. Really? Yeah. Okay, so the story's teaser page shows the Terrible Trio digging through a bank vault with a large auger-type machine, and Robin remarks that they have another fantastic crime machine. I didn't like that. Don't flatter them, Robin. They're the enemy. <laughs> I like the phrase crime machine, and I wish that the Back to the Future movies would have used that pun when Biff, like, steals the um, the sports almanac, and they would have been like, he's turned the time machine into a crime machine. Well, okay, well, they were good writers, so they didn't write, they didn't say that. <laughs> I would have laughed. Okay. I think it would have been very funny. Only you. Okay. So, the comic opens up, uh, first panel we have is a plane that is clearly marked Freedom Plane with historical exhibits, and it's leaving Gotham City Airport with great fanfare for a world tour. They got like a marching band there, people are waving flags. This is a a top-tier send-off. Shortly after takeoff, a man in a vulture costume emerges from a giant globe, dropping sleeping gas pellets to incapacitate the guards and blocking the entrance to the cabin. So I love the treasures that the guards are blocking. Uh Um, They look like they are the Liberty Bell, a bust of George Washington, a covered wagon, and what I can only assume must be the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a big paper, and there's like a feather pen next to it. You know, maybe the... they They didn't all sign with the same quill, I'm pretty sure. Maybe. Maybe they did. I don't... I have no idea. I don't know. I've watched 1776, which is my favorite documentary. You think they all had their own favorite feathers that they brought? Like, it was, like, their pen? Well, they each had, like, one on their desk, so... Like Mm -hmm. I said, in my favorite documentary, 1776, (laughs) which I have watched hundreds of times... Um, I think they all use the same quill. Do they all do it on the same table or do they pass it down like no. like attendance sheet style? Have you never seen the photograph by John Trumbull of them all? Is that photo historically accurate yes. is my question. It's a photograph, of course it is. Actually, we saw... I knew, we saw the real the one. The real version. We went to, to Congress. Yes, we did. We, we bought tickets. We didn't storm it. <laughs> We didn't, we didn't break in. We didn't storm the Capitol. Yeah, no, they all went up to uh, John Hancock's desk. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Mm-hmm. 
so yeah, the vulture begins pilfering the cargo, which includes a gold bust of George Washington, which another thing that we learned on that trip is like George Washington probably would have hated the fact that he had a gold bust made of him yeah. because he was very against like deifying the the presidency. Well, he died, so we get to do whatever we want. So. <laughs> we'll deify him as much as we want. We'll deify him and we'll have political parties and there's nothing he can do about it because yeah. he's dead. The pilot notices what is happening, but with the door blocked, is unable to stop the criminal before he parachutes out of the plane with his haul. The pilot sends out an SOS for the robbery, which gives the coordinates as longitude 100, latitude 35. And he doesn't give a direction No, either of them. which you need for latitude and longitude. So here, here, here is where they could possibly be. Okay. And they just took off. Remember that. Yes. So they, and they're supposedly taking off from, from Gotham, Gotham City. Airport. So Gotham is either, they're either over Texas. Northern like, Texas. It's like the border between Texas and Oklahoma. Um, China. Uh, the Indian Ocean off the coast of Australia. Or the Pacific Ocean off the coast of Chile. <laughs> so one of those places is where Gotham is. I think China. I think that Dave Wood was lazy and did not bother checking what those coordinates actually meant. Yeah. And just like picked a spot that was essentially in the middle of the United States. Yeah. Even though Gotham is supposed to be a coastal town. Mm -hmm. um, the bat signal is activated and the dynamic duo spring into action with Batman flying the bat plane and Robin driving the Batmobile as the comic treats us to our first flashback of the last time that the Tarot Trio tussled with our heroes. I really admire how these older comics aren't afraid to start in media res with these <laughs> villains. I feel like a modern day comic would never be like, oh yeah, this is the second time I've run across this villain. Here's a brief flashback. Robin would say, let's hope things don't turn out the way they did last time. And then there would just be a text box that says, check out JLA number 69 for more Excelsior. <laughs> so they want you to buy more comics to get the full story. And that's a racket. Yeah, I mean, this was also a time when they were setting up a lot of villains. I, I don't... It's, it is sort of a baffling decision to have them be like, this is the third time we've faced these guys. Mm -hmm. Because it, they could have just started it the first time. Heightens the stakes. I guess. You know what? It takes a long time to draw these pages. They don't <laughs> want to have to be like, oh, and they fought them again. They fought them again. Okay. So three days ago, at the creatively named Gotham Bank, there was an earthquake that was caused by the terrible trio's burrow machine, which Batman refers to as infamous, despite the implication later on that this machine has just been invented. Uh, the criminals conveniently deliver exposition to each other during the robbery about how each member has their own role, inventing the crime machines for their animals' respective domains, uh, with the vulture being the air, the shark being the sea, and the fox being the land. I have something I want to say about this fantastic crime machine. Okay. First of all, massive cave-in hazard. Yeah. You never know, like, what's going to be, I don't know, load-bearing. I just feel like you shouldn't... Just be like burrowing around underground like you're a mole. Well, seems. they're protected or, in the machine. Are they? Because second of all, why is it a top down? <laughs> you're literally burrowing through the earth. When he arrives, I don't know if it if it goes up and down. I think so it's got he... like a bubble shield hood that like they can open and close so they can get inside of it. Okay. Well, when he comes up, it seems like it's just <laughs> open in the open earth. Yeah. I don't like that. Okay. 
So the Cape Crusader and Boy Wonder show up just as the criminals are finishing up, and they follow the trio as they begin burrowing back through the earth. The trio see their pursuers through a porthole in the rear of the machine, which the fox then opens to throw out a cartoon bomb at the crime fighters. Where do you even get a bomb that's shaped like a bomb? It looks like they bought that in Hyrule Castletown. <laughs> so I looked this up because I was kind of curious. I was like, where does our concept of the cartoon bomb come from? Ooh, and is this, this is Josh's fact corner? I mean, I don't have it specifically written down as a Josh's fact corner. This is like a mini fact corner. It's like, come over here, and if I go to just Josh's fact corner, it's like very quick. Okay. So the cartoon bomb originates from like early bombs or early mortars that they would fire out of cannons. Okay. So like the type of things that you would see on a Civil War battlefield because they were stuffing them in cannons, they would light the fuse, and then it would, you know, it was made out of like cast iron, it had gunpowder in it, that's basically it. But after the Civil War, they weren't really used because we got better at like shell casings and making other types of bombs most bomb most bombs after like the 1920s were made out of like glycerin and tnt and all that sort of stuff Mm. you know stuff that's much more volatile than gunpowder and had packed a lot more of a punch so yeah i and but comics and you know cartoons are all about visual shorthand and somewhere along the way you know around black thing with a fuse coming out of it just became visual shorthand for a bomb all right so, yeah. Fair enough. There, there's your mini fact corner. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Without any time to disarm the explosive, the dynamic duo dive for cover, and the bomb causes a cave-in. So when the rescue crews find Batman and Robin half-buried in the rubble, they believe them to be dead. But it is revealed that they were able to place their heads in a drainage pipe that was damaged by the earth mover while it was digging through the ground in order to avoid suffocating underneath the earth. Come over here, into my corner, it's Josh's OSHA fact corner. Oh, shoot. The issue- And he's certified. And I, yeah, I don't know if my certification is still good. I might have to re-up it. He used to be certified. certified. The issue with getting caught in a cave-in like this is not necessarily suffocating. Dirt is heavy. Mm. So it can end up crushing you to death, even if your head is above where the cave-in occurred. Never enter an excavation higher than five feet that has not been shored or sloped properly. So that means like boards on the side, you know, posts and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, I've seen, I've seen gold, uh, cartoon gold mines. <laughs> and be wary of entering any excavations below five feet unless a competent person has determined the walls have no potential for cave-in. Okay, so competent... Competent person is like an OSHA word that gets used a lot in the book, which basically means like whoever is in charge. Um, You know, the person who like the buck stops at if something goes wrong. So, you know, your standard like guy who's like loading bricks from from one end of the job site to the other is not is not considered your competent person even though he may be a competent person in his everyday life Mm -hmm. the like wording competent person in osha like language means basically the person who's in charge are you ever the competent person um i could be the competent person not usually it would it would be like a site superintendent or um if if you know if there's a contractor there that by themselves it would be whoever the like highest person there would be okay Tales from construction. <laughs> I love it. That's, yeah, that's the end of the fact corner. So yeah, um, cool. yeah, d- just don't enter 
Don't enter unprotected excavations. Yeah. That's the other thing I'm saying with this crazy, fantastic crime machine. You never know if you're going to run into, like, a septic tank or, like... <laughs> I don't... There's, they're always poisoning the water. Subways. A subway. Yeah. Exactly. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. Did they have subways in Gotham at this point? Probably not, right? Uh, no, they would have, because it would have been built in, like, the 20s or something. Maybe. If Gotham's track follows uh, New York's, which most of the time in, like, comic... When they go to, like, historical Gotham, it, it's basically, like, historical New York. Mm. Um, actually, in the No Man's Land comic, there's a port- part where they get in a train that was, like, kind of a gimmick thing that was, like, an underground steam train that went from, like, uh, some place in Gotham to, like, a fair. Um, and they end up... That's, like, one of the ways that they end up getting people out of the city, even though it's still on lockdown. Okay. So, Yeah. Let's see, back to the comic. After Batman is finished reminiscing about this nearly deadly encounter, he spots the fox surfacing with this crime machine to meet the vulture, who is landing from the robbery on the plane, to retrieve their loot near a bottling plant for a drink that I assume is called four-leaf clover, based on the signs and giant bottles with clovers behind them on the roof. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about the four-leaf clover plant? I don't. Okay. This is one of those, like, only in Gotham kind of things. Yeah. There's, like, three giant bottles on the roof. Yeah. Giant props for the Silver Age characters to play with. Mm -hmm. I do have something to say about that. Oh, okay. Keep going. Batman does not have enough time to land to stop them, so he speeds up the Batplane above Mach 1 and buzzes past the plant, shattering the giant bottles of glass uh, in order to make the, uh, in an attempt to make the criminals think that uh, there is someone after them. Okay. Okay. So he has enough time to speed up enough to break the sound barrier, uh-huh, uh-huh. but not enough time to just to, land. To land and catch them, yes. Also, why doesn't he have non-lethal projectiles on his plane? Like rubber bullets or something? Um, Probably because they wouldn't be... Deterred by that because it's a plane. Well, you could use that to so also would, break the glass. He would have to do the the first pass, and then like they would have time to like go and grab the loot before he came back for the second pass. Maybe. What if he landed the plane on them? That was- <laughs> <laughs> towards them, just coming towards them. Yes. Um, I think that they just wanted to use the giant bottles as props in the comic. This also. Probably is the um, you know the science fact. Oh the yeah, is like oh if you break the sound barrier, glass shatters. <laughs> there we go, we did it. Which I don't think is true. Box cause... checked. Box checked, <laughs> Joshua. No, because we get our we get our we get our fact later in the story, which I will mention. Okay. Because criminals are a superstitious and cowardly lot, Batman's plans work, and the two believe that they are being fired on by heavy artillery, and they take the burrowing machine to escape without grabbing the loot. Batman lands then, and he meets Robin, and the two use the Batmobile's sonic rangefinder to track the fleeing crooks to the bay where the signal ends. The sonic rangefinder looks like an extra long frying pan, and I love it. (laughs) There's only so many shapes that you can make something that somebody has to hold in their hand. It's so big, I want to make eggs from far away. So the dynamic duo then don their aqualungs and dive into the bay, where they spot a large eel-like submarine that swallows the burrowing machine. The two grab onto the eel, but are spotted by the animal-masked criminals. Shark, 
well prepared for an underwater pursuit, activates the sub's eel shocker, which sends a jolt of electricity through the hull and incapacitates the masked manhunter and his sidekick. I feel like an electric shock underwater kills most people. Isn't that, like, extra bad? It depends on the, like, voltage, amperage, all that sort of stuff. I'm assuming that Shark must have tuned this so that it doesn't. It only incapacitates people and doesn't kill them because he doesn't want to go to jail for manslaughter. He's okay going to jail for uh, theft, grand theft, I guess, at this point, because they're, like, solid gold artifacts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah... They're solid gold artifacts, and they're also, like, priceless <laughs> historical artifacts. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's extra evil. Fortunately, Batman and Robin are able to activate the Aqualung's flotation devices, which bring them to the surface as they recover from the shock. They return to the police headquarters where they speak to Commissioner Gordon, who pessimistically does not think that there is any hope of capturing the crooks without any way to track their movements or a pattern to crimes. Obviously, he's new to Batman comics because Batman always figures out a way. <laughs> exactly. Batman isn't so sure that there isn't a pattern. Initiating another flashback in this comic as he recalls the first time that the trio struck, where they utilized the swordfish-shaped submarine to sink a cruise ship that was loaded with treasures from all over the world. What treasures were these? The comic is disinterested in the details. Mm. <laughs> they, the writers couldn't be bothered. Batman theorizes that they were taking turns, with it being Shark, Fox, and Vulture pulling off crimes in sequence. That means that the next crime would be the Shark's turn again. So another ocean crime. One cycle is not a pattern. Yes. Yes. You are correct. I know that they would have had to wait for, like, one more to, like, be sure. Uh-huh. But, like, one cycle is not a pattern. This is not a good hypothesis. I don't like it. Well, um, Batman assures Commissioner Gordon that once they determine where the next likely target is, he will be able to follow the criminals to the lair because he has a plan. At that very moment, in their lair, the trio, who I might mention have not removed their masks, Mm -hmm. are planning their next heist, which involves stealing a shipment of ancient Egyptian artifacts. The complicating factor being that they can't salvage the goods from the wreck like they did in the first heist, because the seawater will ruin the ancient Egyptian artifacts. Shark assures them that his latest sea device will be the up to the task and retires to his quote-unquote shark cave, which we see on the next panel is in the basement of their lighthouse hideout. And might I say that I love this panel. Me too. Wait, <laughs> I... Okay, so they have three evil lairs. B- besides the lighthouse itself... There are only five labeled locations, Mm -hmm. which from top to bottom are the Vulture Sky Nest, where Vulture is playing with a toy airplane, Mm -hmm. the kitchen, obviously, Mm -hmm. they need to eat, Um, the Fox's Den, where he is standing at a planning table, the aforementioned Shark's Cave, which looks like he only has, he has the only couch and bed in the whole hideout, Mm -hmm. and the subterranean cave, for their submarines. Three evil lairs and a kitchen. That's, that's all, all you need. That's all you need. That's a- so does Shark need to tiptoe through Fox's den if he wants to raid the fridge at 3 a.m.? <laughs> I would assume that's yeah. much. Yeah. Does he, like, offer him a snack? Or is he just, like, doesn't pay attention? No. I, I, I mean, they're criminals, right? They, yeah. 
Although they must be good roommates if they're working together like yeah, this. Yeah, that one kitchen. I know, sharing one kitchen. Right. They got no, no arguments over like who puts the dishes away or anything. Yeah, they gotta label the uh, the stuff in the fridge. Nobody's leaving any like passive aggressive notes as far as we can see. Oh my see. god, that'd be <laughs> awful. It's a weird. It's weird that we. It's 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 rare that we see criminals who don't have like henchmen. Like yeah. they are a really they are They're an actual tight-knit. team. Yeah. yeah. It's inspiring. <laughs> no one's gonna turn on anybody or be like, I want more share of a loot. No, yeah, they're they're just yeah. fine. Because each of them gets a turn. So they, you know, they all get to they make their own inventions, they get to use their inventions, and then they split the loot three ways. Okay. So the next day, the trio set out to capture their prize, and we are treated to the requisite teachable moment of the comic when the shark explains to his compatriots that his new submarine will act like a pilot fish, which suctions onto real-life sharks for food. I'm sorry, Joshua. Okay. This is not a science fact. This is an animal fact. So. Um, I guess animals are part of science. Biology is a science. It's different, though. Really? You want yeah. to tell that to, to people who are majoring in biology yeah. or biologists? Get wrecked. You're a bunch of... Marine biologists? Z- you're a bunch of zoological freaks. <laughs> anyway. Marine biologists aren't real scientists. You heard it here, folks. If you have any problems with that, write to batmatespodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Attention, Becca. Yeah, roast me. <laughs> So uh, they dock onto the hull of the ship and create an airtight seal, which allows them to pass through into the freighter and grab the Egyptian relics, including some sarcophagi. The thieves break away, which floods the now plundered hull, and they return back to their lair shortly after. Um, so there were guards in the plane watching over the loot. Uh-huh. Like, Vulture had to, like, you know, do a gas thingy to make them fall asleep. Why wouldn't there be guards in the ship? Like, because... The whole idea is to make it easy for them to pull off this heist. This is part of Batman's plan. I guess. I mean, he was drilling through the hull of the ship. No one would be like... I guess it's... Maybe Egyptian artifacts are less important than American history artifacts mm. in the eyes of, of, the, of the people of the 1940s. Which right. is probably not too far-fetched, no, honestly. Yeah. <clears throat> Shark announces that they should celebrate their successful crime... But Fox and Vulture want to take inventory of their hull. As the Vulture opens one of the sarcophagi to get a look at the mummy, he realizes that the wrappings are fresh. Within an instant, he a wrapped Batman springs forth and delivers a swift uppercut. Okay, but what he does not deliver is an amazing line. And here's further proof that DC doesn't to hire me as a writer. Okay, let's hear him. Lay him on me. Well, I only have one. Oh, okay. I (laughs) I thought you had multiple. I think it's a winner. Okay. Your evil scheme has unraveled, shark! No, because that would be... He's a mummy. He's unraveled. Yeah, but unraveled would mean that their plans have gotten less complicated? When you unravel something, it's like unraveling a mystery is like solving it. it's unraveled. He's unraveled it. The whole scheme is unraveled. It's falling apart like a mummy. Like a mummy who's been exposed to the open air. That's why they belong in a museum. Belong in a museum. Or, you know, in the pyramid. Leave them where they are. That's true. What am I going to do? Look at it? Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Take pictures of it. Take Leave it in the pyramid. Take pictures of it. And then I'll look at the pictures. I don't want somebody walking through my gravesite. Go away. This is my giant pyramid. <laughs> Leave me and my cats. I built it with me and my slaves. <laughs> Leave me and my cats alone. 
we're vibing <laughs> in the what? Are, I don't, what's the Egyptian afterlife called? The field of something. Field of wheat or whatever. Yeah, field of... I watched Moon Knight. <laughs> we're vibing in that big field of wheat. Leave us alone. Back to the story. Fox remarks that the dynamic duo have outfoxed them, getting his little pun in, and Shark tries to keep them busy with his remote-controlled flying stingray, which has a point on the front. It's presumably to impale people with. It doesn't really matter because we never get an explanation of how the machine works, and Robin immediately brings it down with a batarang, while Batman delivers a knockout punch to the shark. They ascend into the fox's den, where a mounted fox head on the wall begins firing bullets from its eyes, and the duo throw their bat grenades, which nullify the threat somehow? I'm not sure. The comic does not explain any of this, like, last part well. I think maybe the smoke bombs throw off its targeting system or something. They've only got two-thirds of the page left to wrap up this, this story. The Cape Crusader ascends once more into the Vulture's Nest, where Fox and Vulture are waiting there with Vulture robots, Ooh. presumably bird-shaped killer robots. Before the Vulture can activate them, Batman throws a bat dart, and Robin believes that the dart may have missed the Vulture and hit the lighthouse's control panel, but Batman explains that that was his plan all along. The lighthouse's beacon activates and blinds the criminals long enough for the dynamic duo to take them down. The final panel shows Commissioner Gordon arriving at the hideout, thanks to Batman radio signaling his location, just in time to bring the terrible trio into custody. That's too easy. Yeah. They live up to the name Terrible Trio. <laughs> Not exactly A-plus villains. No. So how many times did they get used again after their uh, unsatisfying ending here? A handful. Okay. So the Terrible Trio were created by Dave Wood and Sheldon Maldoff, which, as we discussed earlier, uh, leads credence to my theory that no one ever told Sheldon Maldoff that he cannot draw animals. <laughs> Had I been his friend, I would have been like, listen, you're very talented, iconic style. People are going to read this for generations, probably. Please stay away from the animals. You're not good at it. <laughs> Outsource it to somebody else if you must. Uh, but following this comic, the trio uh, appeared again in Detective Comics, uh, attempting to start a smuggling ring, uh, but they were soon stopped again by Batman and Robin. Mm. A while later, they moved their operations to Portsmouth City and became industrial leaders. Okay. Uh, and what I'm about to describe all takes place in a Dr. Midnight miniseries. Okay. What year is this from? 1999. Okay. So they so up until ninety nine they had only appeared like two or three times. Yeah. Okay. Not not used widely. Okay. Uh, so this iteration of the group uses their masks in strange rituals, calling on the spirits of the earth, the water, and the air to bring good fortune to their crimes. <laughs> Uh, their grand scheme in this series involves causing disasters to destroy a majority of the city, except for the low-income parts that they owned, which they could then resell at a profit. Oh. Slumlord supervillains. <laughs> the real villain was capitalism. Exactly. Uh, the, the real villain was gentrification. Exactly. Bunch of nimbies. Uh, they also sell a strain of venom, because this is the 90s, so everybody's like, stay away from drugs. Uh, mm. They sell a strain of venom that turns the user into a zombie-like super soldier. 
Oh. And uh, we mentioned, you know, earlier they don't want to commit murder because then they would go to jail for longer, manslaughter, whatever. Uh-huh, uh-huh. After Dr. Midnight foils their plans, they're arrested and sentenced to 800 years in prison. <laughs> I guess causing natural disasters is pretty pretty bad. I guess so. How do you even... I don't think there's any laws in the books for that. Yeah. It's like something that would only happen in the DC universe that they would have to come up with laws for. Because yeah. they've got a, a couple of weather... Like, there's Weather Wizard. Um, well, I'm they... sure that there are magic villains that have caused disasters. The Flash sometimes creates tornadoes. Exactly. These guys are specifically calling upon ancient gods to yeah. do bad things for them, so that's probably... I don't think it's against the law to, like call upon a god to create a natural disaster it's illegal to how are be, they gonna, it's illegal to be a cleric how are they how are they going to prove that in court how are they going to prove that that earth that that mudslide was was your fault yeah witnesses uh so the last time the trio were seen in the original run of detective comics uh it was a bizarre storyline where shark suffered a psychotic break okay. uh, replaced his teeth with shark's teeth and then <laughs> okay. attempts to murder his former partners <gasps> They all end up in Arkham Asylum after Batman is like, enough of this nonsense. Uh Um, And Fox and Vulture decide, you know, rightly so that they're not going to be friends with Shark anymore. Um, And they decide to now team up with Warren White, a.k.a. Great White Shark. Oh, okay. Who kicks out the original Shark out of the trio and says that he's Shark now. (laughs) Because there can only be one Shark. (laughs) There have been a couple other... Wait a sec. Is Great White Shark is the guy... He's like a mob boss who filed his teeth down to look like a shark? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's equally as crazy as the other shark. Yeah, but, but he's he not... hasn't attempted to murder the other two. Exactly. Yeah. He's not going around murdering his mm. own accomplices. Got it. Um, so the Terrible Tree has been used a couple other times in the comics. Um, they've been like... Uh, like modern day thugs doing all kinds of different stuff. But I kind of wanted to focus specifically on like these original iterations of uh-huh. them and not like, you know, the more modern reinterpretations. Just like of like them. background characters or yeah. like when we talked about the eraser where he like got reimagined as a metahuman or whatever, yeah. where it really doesn't stay true to the original character. It's just they're using the name and like putting a completely new spin on mm-hmm. it. I mean, it's easy to be like, here's a guy in an animal mask. There you yeah, go. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An iteration of them that I think a lot of people may have seen before was their appearance on the Batman the Animated Series. Okay. Um, the group have also appeared in episodes of The Batman, as well as The Brave and the Bold. Um, they also appear in promotional artwork for Harley Quinn, but they have yet to appear in that series. Really? Yeah. So promotional like, artwork for, what, like, the new season? Or older um, seasons and they just never showed up? I'm not 100% sure, actually. I think it was just like, oh, coming soon, Harley. I don't know which season it was. Interesting. Uh, But yeah, so I wanted to talk about their episode of Batman the Animated Series. Going into this episode, I had heard that it was one of the worst. (laughs) However, I consider Batman the Animated Series to be the gold standard. So even a bad episode can't be that bad. And (laughs) I wish I had been correct. Oh, really? Yeah. So the episode changes the terrible trio into a group of bored Gotham elitists who travel in the same circles as Bruce Wayne. Uh, The three have done everything and gone everywhere, and the only thing they can do now to excite themselves is crime. (laughs) However, they're only in it for the thrill and not the money. 
doing things like throwing their loot out of the escape car's sunroof to create a diversion, uh, or tossing a stack of cash at the security guard for being a good sport. The story itself is really not that bad. Um, the writing is a little weird, like the aforementioned security guard tells Fox to shove it and doesn't take the money. <laughs> and when Batman comes to rescue him, he even says, don't worry about me, get the bad guys. Like, what did your boss do? Save your life or something? <laughs> so that was really weird. The truly awful thing about this episode is the animation. When I think about Batman the Animated Series, I think of this gorgeous, stylized, and memorable animation. Mm -hmm. Emotional faces and like weird noir backgrounds that really like stick in your mind. Um, this episode was animated by Jade Animation, which is a Chinese studio that only worked on two episodes of Batman the Animated Series. And in a word, it's just incredibly lazy. Mm. Background characters hardly move, if at all, and every single frame just looks really, really ugly. Mm. Uh, there's also a scene where a crowd of people are waiting outside a theater. That's It's the scene where they throw the money out the sunroof and all these people run into the street and they're like, oh, wow, money, hooray. Uh -huh. um, but before that, they're all standing in front of a theater waiting to go in, and the marquee just says Broadway. <laughs> I mean, that could be a storyboard thing, is maybe they just had that on the storyboard and the, the animators copied. The animator looks at each other and they're like, what could be playing? Oh, I don't know. What do they have in America? Broadway? Broadway? Broadway, I guess. It's interesting that you say that it wasn't a good writing because the person who wrote it, Michael Reeves, um, he wrote Pretty Poison, Feet of Clay. I didn't say it was bad writing. Perchance to Dream. I didn't say it was bad writing. He's written some very good. Listen. I didn't say it was bad writing. Okay. I said it was weird. Weird writing. Okay. It was, just, it was the the dialogue's a little, I don't know, part of it might be, did um did Andrea work on this? Was she the voice director? Uh, yeah, she was the voice director for like all of them. I don't know. She was a little off that day. Some of the, <laughs> some of the she doesn't get the best performances she possibly could out of everyone. <laughs> this is one of those like filler episodes that they, they were like, we have to fill a whole season and we only have like a bunch of, a couple of good yeah. ideas and maybe here's, we got to pull some Silver Age villains to fill what, it out. Here's what I want you to do. Okay. Go in your office, get that long box of Silver Age comics, throw them on the floor, and then just like take take a dart and just throw it at the floor. Whatever mm -hmm. it lands on, we're going to do an episode on that. Yeah. Just a riff on that. Exactly. Anyway, uh, the animation, uh, I, it, it, there's more. Okay. There's a scene that takes place in a hospital room, and for some reason, the victim that Bruce is visiting and the room itself are drawn in this like blurry watercolor style, while mm -hmm. Bruce himself is animated irregularly. I think all of their backgrounds were done in that style. So it. But like, he's there in the room, and like, other people are like interacting yeah. with usually them. it's 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 relegated to being like buildings city skyline exactly yeah i know what you're saying yeah. yeah but like it's the whole room except for bruce <laughs> and the effect it creates makes it feel like bruce is walking around in a point and click adventure game <laughs> and like there must be nothing to click on in this room because there's nothing else that is animated the same way. <laughs> well, after you said that, like, I watched the scene with you. Because you were like, come here and look at this. This looks like a, a point and click. And then it's like, after that scene, there's like a close-up of the guy's face. And I was like, it does look like he clicked on that guy. Yeah. And like, got a close-up. It looks like Monkey Island. He even, like, <laughs> doesn't walk, like, a straight path to the guy's bed. It's, like, a, on a weird angle. It's very strange. Whoever coded that level, very bad. Um, 
So, yeah, it just makes him seem like he's completely detached from the world around him. Mm. So I'm glad this animation studio was only used a couple of times, but I really wonder why they didn't just scrap the episode and start over when they <laughs> saw the results that the studio was putting out. It was, I mean, they they couldn't because they were on such a time crunch to get the episodes done. And it's not like they could have done it. By the time they got proofs, a lot of the times it was like too late. They could only send notes and they only had enough time to redo so many scenes. And I will point out that Jade Animation, you said that they got used in other episodes, but they never did pencils mm -hmm. for any of the other episodes. It was only ink and paint. So the, the actual like drawings were already there for them in the other two episodes. They were only colorists for the other ones. Hmm. But what, not this one? Not, not that, this was the only one that they did penciling for. Okay, I can see why. Exactly, yeah, no. Uh, probably after they, the episode got finished, the production team decided never, never to use them again. There's a shot, it's like the first shot of Bruce. He's talking to Dick and um, he, <laughs> uh, the proportions on him, he looks like he's about like 4'10 and like, <laughs> just like, He's so like muscular, but everything is so squished. Hmm. And like, there's a part where he's talking to a, a woman and his head is like all lumpy. And I'm like, <laughs> this is the most eligible man in Gotham. <laughs> and you're just, he looks like a monster. <laughs> it's awful. Uh, I have two more things. Okay. Uh, the Terrible Trio have all kinds of like gadgets, mm -hmm. um, similar to the comic. Uh, they have a car that can throw grenades out just behind it, just like an open. It's just like a regular car, but then they like press a button and like grenades fly out the back. Okay. Um, it really makes me wonder if all of the Gotham elite have access to just like high tech weapons of war. <laughs> You know, they don't have Lucius Fox, but maybe they can just, like, you know, go get it. I mean, in, what is it? Isn't it on Harley Quinn Aid, she, like, steals a tank or something? Yeah. She ends up with a tank somehow? Yeah. They all have, um, you know, weapon shops, like, in Grand Theft Auto. Where they just go there <laughs> and be just... like, I'll have a rocket launcher, yeah. thanks. <laughs> thanks. No paperwork. <laughs> uh, I do honestly like the updated version of these characters, and I... I I did think the story was interesting. I think if it had been animated better, mm -hmm. I would have liked it way better. But it was an interesting story to have it be these three, like, you know, Gotham elitists who are like, we're going to do crime. And then there's, I don't know, there's this weird part where, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but they, like, I don't know, kidnap a woman, but she doesn't realize she's being kidnapped until, like, halfway through. <laughs> it's, like, it's like very, very, uh, very well done. The sort of weird little, it's not a twist, because you know who they are immediately. Yeah. Um, but it's it's well done. It's a twist for Batman. for it's him a twist for Batman. For him to learn out. You know, he gets to do detective work, which yeah. is. Well, actually, the, the other thing that they, like, make really obvious, they're like, this is going to be a clue later, is um, they are fraternity brothers you uh -huh. know delta something 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 but they wear these rings with the delta symbol on it and they like make a point to like you know zoom in on it early on and they're like we're delta brothers we we blah 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 um and then later one of them punches the victim that bruce is visiting in the hospital and it leaves like a little delta mark on his face and i'm like why would you wear an identifying ring while committing your crime yeah that doesn't, that's so stupid. <laughs> Especially because the person he robs is the person he knows. It's like his girlfriend's dad. I've, I've given too much away. Don't watch the episode though. <laughs> you don't need to. Anyway, lastly, I like how at the end of the episode when he gets caught, uh, Warren, who's the fox, uh -huh. uh, offers Batman a million dollars and then $10 million to let him go. Um, that's like a light lunch for Bruce. He also warns that, quote, 
all get justice, the best that money can buy. And in the end, we see him in prison. But in reality, he's 100% right. And he probably would have just gotten off with a slap on the wrist. Uh, he didn't he- kill anybody. He just, he he broke into somebody's apartment, roughed them up a little bit. And you said that they stole money, though, right? They had then like a they, bag of goods. they threw it out the door. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh. He would have got a slap on the wrist for that. Maybe. I guess so. If he truly was like, I'm going to get the maybe, best justice the money can buy. Yeah. Uh, my it's possible that maybe he just got a very light sentence too. Like he he did end up in jail, but he's only going to be in there for like six months or I whatever. I mean, they, they imply that he's got a very rough cellmate <laughs> who clips his toenails and growls at him. So you never know. So, yeah, that's Terrible Trio. Um, don't watch it. Worst episode of the animated series that I personally have seen. Just watch Baby Doll again. I think the the rat one is, it's there's one about, like, a, a guy who lives in the sewers and is, like, kidnapping. He, like, kidnaps a woman. The, his whole shtick is essentially Mad Hatter, but he's, like, rat-based. Rat Hatter. <laughs> and it. it's another one where they got, Mad like, Ratter. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's another one where they got like a bad animation studio to do the animation for them and so it looks bad it's not a strong story um not a compelling villain so yeah that one i i think is my personal least favorite episode of the animated series in your research is it ever like switched up any of the other you said that they switch out who shark is but is there any other like trio of animals that they do it's always a fox a shark and a vulture pretty sure interesting because that's the kind of thing that i would think that they would switch out like if if i was well then they're not a terrible trio anymore well they could still be some different animals it's just a different trio of animal masked guys yeah that's a different thing altogether okay legally distinct (laughs) i guess if i do my batman knockoff uh comic where actually, well, I'll be able to use Batman. Uh, what is that in like ten years or something? Yeah. So we're gonna have the terrible trio is gonna be a Capybara. Uh huh. Um, we can't call them the terrible trio. DC's got like copyright on that. Okay. So they, it's gonna be the uh, treacherous three. Okay. There you go. Okay. Okay. A Capybara. Got it. Um, that's the, that's the ground or is that the water? That'd be ground. Okay. Uh, we'll do because they do like swim around. They're like water rodents too. Calm, calm down. Okay. <laughs> a, uh, a giant tortoise. Okay. Made of water. Okay. And then... you've picked a lot of like amphibious okay. type animals. All right, let's hold on. Okay. Uh, let's go again. Capybara. Cap- That's done. Why? Why? That's done. Uh, a jellyfish. Sure. Okay. And um, I don't know what a jellyfish mask would look like, but sure. Yeah, it's terrible. It would have little tendrils like um, like Cthulhu. Okay, he'd be terrifying. And he just um, looks like he's wearing a stupid hat. Um, uh, one of those like nineteen seventies hats that has the little like things that come down on the side. No. Um, and the air is a Boeing seven forty seven. There, we did it. <laughs> I like the mental image of a man wearing a plane, yeah. a full-on plane on his head. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we've made it to the end of the episode. I do have some, like, little extra things that I want to share, if anybody wants to stick around. No, I'm good. Bye. Okay. Well, I wanted to talk about some of the other things that were in the Detective Comics number 253, because 
it's Detective Comics. It has more than just Batman in it. We get a Roy Raymond TV detective where he goes into a cave where a man has supposedly been petrified for 2,000 years. And if you don't remember from my last time that I explained what Roy Raymond TV detective does, which you don't, you're shaking your head no at me. Um, his whole thing is like people make outrageous claims and his he goes and like disproves them. He's like a replace believe it or not. Sort of, yeah, but, um, or like a, um, what is it, Harry Houdini, like towards the end of his career where he's going and like, going to people who claim to be like spirit mediums. Mythbusters. Yeah, sort of. Mythbusters. Sort of, yeah. Okay. Um, and then we also get a Martian Manhunter comic. I'm going to give you a more detailed rundown of this one. John Jones steals Clark Kent's shtick and starts writing for a newspaper. Hmm. The reason being... The Daily Clarion's owner exposed a man named Harry Moran as the boss behind racketeering operations in the city. So Harry starts his own paper and he's giving it away for free to run the Daily Clarion out of business. <laughs> so Martian Manhunter helps by getting scoops before the, the free competitor can by using his like Martian powers. So he like sees through a wall and sees a flying car that's in development and learns and like allows them to publish the story before it actually gets announced. The hero of this story is capitalism. <laughs> yeah. He also, uh, he like diverts a meteor and he writes about it before it can like hit the ground or something. Uh, anyway, because the they keep getting scoops before the free paper can, it drives the mobsters to attempt destroying the Daily Clarion's printing presses where John is then able to overcome them and arrest them for destruction of property mm. uh, and, Clarion, and breaking and ending. Clarion, like Clarion the Witch Boy? Um, spelled C-L-A-R-I-O-N, yeah. Oh. I don't know. I don't really remember the name of John Jones's like, home city, so I don't know if that's the name of his home city or not. Okay. We are fake Martian Manhunter fans. Yeah. I mean, he shows... The only way that I know him is when he teams up with the Justice League. Yeah. And he doesn't... I mean, he hasn't had his own, like, solo comic for forever. This is the only period of time that I know of, like, when he shows up in Detective Comics and has his own stuff where he's, like, has his own things. Why is there no Martian Manhunter ride at Six Flags? That's a good question. I would assume that it's because he's not popular enough. I'd ride it. What would it even be? Uh, you get it... set on fire. <laughs> oh, no. That's his one weakness. Yeah. And then the last thing that I want to talk about is there's one of those, like, editors, like, interesting fact things where they just do a page on something. Usually it has to do with like police work or something. I think there one of these was about police horses. Sometimes it's been about um, like fingerprinting. This one is about mutilated currency. Oh. So uh, the story is about how a woman used the heater in her home. She like turns on the furnace and unintentionally melts a box that her husband was keeping money in. So... Uh, then it goes on to talk about how the treasury has a department where they will take your mutilated currency and they can reimburse you for it with a check. Hmm. So you like take whatever got destroyed in a fire or by rodents or, you know, uh, termites or... Just put it in the bank, Kathy. You know what? 
that is something that it mentions, and it was like, instead of reminding her husband that a bank would be a better place to leave the money, she just sent it off to the Treasury Department. <laughs> the article says that the Treasury Department handles 45,000 cases each year, and that was in 1958 when this comic was published. But the number on the current Treasury Department, uh, they give a number of 22,000 cases a year of mutilated currency, which means that despite the population doubling since then, the number of cases has halved, which I guess is due to less people storing cash in places where it could be damaged mm -hmm. because we're further away from the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. um, and also because people just use less cash in general. Everyone's out using credit cards and Except stuff. Except your dad. <laughs> Except for my father, who will not, yeah, who like for some reason chastises us for not having cash on hand yeah. as if we would need it for any civilized place in the modern world. Yep. But he's out there hitting on the strip clubs every day. That's why he needs his weekly... Do not say that about my father, please. <laughs> he needs his cash every week. Do not say that about my father, right. please. Fine, sorry. <laughs> no, he's just uh, old school. He was still using traveler's checks in like the early to mid-2000s. All right, this isn't a podcast about your father. When like no one was using them. He there was a he used them up until the point that like the local grocery store stopped cashing them. <laughs> because they had to put a sign up that said, uh, Rainer, please stop. <laughs> Cause he would go so you, you would get he would get the traveler's checks from AAA, he would use them on vacation, but then we would always have like one or two left over, so he would try to use them to buy groceries, and it wasn't until the grocery store stopped accepting them that he just stopped using them. My lord. Alright, great. <laughs> Well, if you want to hear more crazy facts about Josh's father, <laughs> we'll be back next week with more anecdotes, I'm sure. Yeah, um, you can email us. I said it earlier, batmatespodcast at gmail.com. Question, comments, concerns. Uh, if you have an idea to change up the show, if you want to be a special guest, yeah. I don't even know. If you want to be our terrible trio. Suggestion for a comic that we might cover or a villain we might cover. Um, or you can interact with us at Batmates on Twitter. We probably won't respond to you because Becca never checks it. I don't. <laughs> uh, and rate us five stars on iTunes. If you rate us five stars on iTunes. And I, leave a review. And leave a review. We will guarantee that we will read the review. Mm -hmm. On air. On air. On air. Yep. With your full legal name. Yep. <laughs> and social security number. Yep. <laughs> We won't do that. No. Okay. Um, goodbye, everyone. Have a good week. Have a good Batman day. Yeah, happy Batman have day. Have a good Batman day. Happy Batman day. Eat everything that is in sight that is popcorn. <laughs> Just bring bring like a like a big barrel, like one of those barrels that you'd wear. Bring it to the Cinemark and be like, fill her up. That's what I'm gonna do. Uh, yeah, and instead of a cup, bring uh, one of those like pitchers that they have at restaurants yeah. and have them fill that up with soda. Big fish bowl <laughs> full of soda, iced tea. Okay, goodbye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>